You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to another exciting edition of Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of your Toronto Blue Jays coming at you on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Ryan Andrews from jaysfromthecouch.com, back with you for another day to Talk about another glorious Blue Jays win. I know they're they're coming fast and furious now after that horrendous last week. So let's just soak these up and enjoy them to the fullest because Lord knows Toronto's not getting any sporting relief from the Raptors anytime soon. Um, we're going to do something a little different today for those of you who've gotten used to how I've been doing this in the absence of Ryan Miller, who is still blissfully far away from the great white north in the Dominican Republic. But in in this stead, we have an exciting debut segment for y'all today. We are going to debut something where I bring on someone who will argue with me about a couple of points about the Blue Jays, and we will have a very frank and lively discussion for your entertainment. In a segment that I am lovingly calling Pint Counterpint, in honor of the Royal Canadian Air Force, a big part of my youth. That was a segment where the two Newfoundland um, newscasters would argue briefly and usually end up agreeing. And given that I'm the host of this, I assume that I'm going to be agreed with at some point. So... For, for a segment like this, I, I obviously can't do it by myself. Agreeing by myself is silly. Arguing with myself is silly. We're not going to do that. So, for the purposes of this segment, I have called in someone who has, in his short time on the Blue Jays podcast airways, become the Professor Moriarty to my Sherlock Holmes, the... Mojo Jojo to my Powerpuff Girls, the Vic Carapaza to my Toronto Blue Jays. I brought him in here because he's probably going to be the best at arguing with me at the time I'm available to record these podcasts. He is jaysfromthecouch.com writer, Stephen Brown. Stephen, thank you for coming on. I don't know why you agreed to do this. I don't know why I agreed to do this as well, especially when you're comparing me to the Powerpuff Girls villain and Vic Carapaza. I mean, that's 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 just a terrible way to insult somebody that agrees to come on your show. But you know what, Ryan Andrews or Neo AC18, whatever you prefer to be called out there on the internets, I don't think it's going to be very hard to disagree with you here. And I don't think that I'm going to agree with anything that you have to say on this particular Wednesday morning. Oh, don't. Don't be fooled, my younger and more naive friend. I I have the ways of the word. I, w- I would be wary of uh, put, putting too big a claim out there that you will not agree with me. Because, you know, I, I think my position is very convincing. And I'm sure I will get you to that point as well. We will start our pint-counterpint session. Um, with a, a pertinent member of the Blue Jays team, one Kendris Morales. Kendris having himself a big day last night in the 7-4 extra innings winning over Minnesota on Tuesday night. 
uh, three for three, couple home runs. He wasn't even supposed to be in a lineup. It was supposed to be Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce felt something uh, in warmups and left, and John Gibbons got to look really, really smart for putting Hendris Morales in there. So, Stephen, our first discussion point today will be that last night's breakout game for Kendris Morales is a sign of things to come, and this will springboard him back to the 30 home run, 250 hitter that Blue Jays fans have come to know and love. I will be taking the point that this does mean he is bouncing back, and you will try and convince me that he is not going to bounce back. Savvy? Sounds good, Ryan. All right. So, yeah, what Kendris Morales did last night was a major boost for a team that was desperately lacking that consistent power source. Um, Yanjevis Salarte is leading the team in home runs, but Yanjevis Salarte should never be leading a team in home runs. He is a utility infielder. He should not be the guy who you count on for your power stroke. So to so see, so see Kendris do that in a position where he was not expected con- to contribute, like he... He looked a bit more comfortable at the plate, just just going up there, being able to take those pitches from the likes of Kyle Gibson and, and, and really force the pitcher to throw that fastball that he likes so much. And he just, he cranked them. Like he was getting them up high and he cranked them like line drive bullets into the target field uh, bleachers. And and I, I'm so excited to see that from Kendris because when, when Kendris starts really getting aloft under that ball, that's what makes him a successful hitter. And I, I see him continuing to do this now that he's figured it out. Now that he's flexed that bicep of his, showing off that tattoo, and started powering these balls back out. Well, you know what, Ryan? Kendris Morales can roll up his sleeves. He can cut them off. He could continue to shave his head and remove the beard that he has and wear those funky little glasses or shades, whatever you want to call those things. The fact of the matter is that the Blue Jays don't need him. They don't need more consistent power. His three home runs have contributed almost nothing for a team that is sitting first in the league in home runs, by the way. It doesn't matter if Yanjervis Salarte is leading the team in home runs. There seems to be an abundance of them coming from various different amounts of hitters. And you know what? I don't think that yesterday's game really changes anything in the grand scheme of things. So what? We're playing the Minnesota Twins. They've proven to have beaten themselves multiple times on multiple occasions with dumb error after dumb error. That's a bad team. And it's important that you do have success against the teams that you should beat. But I think that when it comes down to playing the teams that actually matter, like the Los Angeles Angels, who we're battling for in a wild card spot, the Seattle Mariners, the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Houston Astros, you know, the teams that actually matter, I don't think that their pitchers are going to put themselves in a position where they're going to have to throw Kendris Morales a fastball because I don't think that it really matters. I mean, yeah, Kendris Morales can hit a fastball when he knows it's coming. So can most big league hitters. And maybe he put himself in a position to where he's going to get those pitches and he earned the right to know that that fastball was coming, but I don't think that that's indicative of anything. But we were going back and talking about this in our little group chat that we have, and I was arguing that 
Kendris Morales should just be DFA'd. He should just be gone. Send him away. And the great writers at Jays from the Couch um, let me know that that's not how Rogers operates. That's not how they run their payroll. You know, they they don't like to pay guys um, season by season when they buy them out. They like to pay them in one lump sum, and that would pose a problem for the Blue Jays. So they can't buy them out. So then it becomes, to me, like, you know, what is the identity of this Jays team? For me, is versatility. Well, I, I know the big thing they preach coming into the offseason was versatility, but versatility only gets you so far. You can have so many Swiss Army knives lying around the cupboard, but when it comes to really smash open a, a hole in a wall, you need that big sledgehammer to do that. A Swiss Army knife isn't going to do that for you, Stephen. And yeah, Kendris Morales is doing a much better job of forcing opposing pitchers to throw him that fastball because he's gotten much better at identifying pitches outside of the zone. He's walking at 14.3% of the time. That's a, that's double. That's almost double his previous career high. His high was like 9% with the Royals in 2015. So, so he's gotten a lot more selective with his pitches. He's making pitchers throw him these fastballs because he's just, he's not biting as much as he used to, which is a Big development for him because, oh my god, every Blue Jay hitter golfs at those curveballs in the dirt. If I see it one more time, I'm going to jam a fishing rod into Brooke Jacoby's face and just be like, no, tell them no, no more of this. But Morales has gotten so much better at identifying those pitches outside of the zone and and luring pitchers into hitting those fastballs. And, and you're telling me that... Oh, the the Blue Jays have enough home runs. They don't. Do, they're they're only hitting solo shots, Stephen. You can't keep hitting solo shots. You need someone who can actually get on base to make those home runs really do damage to the opposing team. Like all these solo shots are great. What was the biggest blow of the Boston series? It was a three-run home run from JD Martinez, not three solo shots. Teams like Boston know how to work counts and get on base and make those home runs matter. The Blue Jays haven't done that. So if you're going to rely on solo shots, how about having a guy who can reliably hit home runs as opposed to, oh, maybe he gets the barrel on a ball and gets lucky? Because honestly, a lot of the home runs this year for the Blue Jays are coming from guys who you don't think of as power hitters. Like like I said, Solarte is leading the team in home runs. Alemis Diaz has four home runs, but he has a sub-200 batting average. Kevin Pillar is, like, the second – he's second in home runs now. Like, are you expecting Kevin Pillar to keep up a pace and hit 28 home runs in a season? No, you're not expecting Kevin Pillar to do that. You're expecting Kevin Pillar to play defense and turn into a pumpkin in May, which is when you need someone like Kendris Morales to step up and start hitting those bombs out there and start getting the production that the Blue Jays need to be competitive in Yankee Stadium, in Fenway Park, in these band boxes where you need someone who can consistently hit a fly ball out of the park. And now that Kendris Morales has started doing that, he is much more valuable to this Blue Jays team, especially since you don't know what shape Josh Donaldson and Troy Tulowitzki are going to be in when they come back. Yeah, Josh Donaldson's playing in Dunedin. That's great. Can he still make the throw to first base from third? I haven't seen proof of that yet. So having a guy like Kendris Morales, who you know you can plug into a lineup to get a shot of power 
and have that bat start to come around nowadays, I will take that in the Blue Jays lineup as opposed to DFAing him and making room for Gift and Gope to stick around with his 056 batting average. You know what, Ryan Andrews, that was a very, very valiant argument that you posed against me with that 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 nice little cute stat of your 14.3 walk percentage. But I will counter that. It's almost like in Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, I got a trap card here. <laughs> and say that he's striking out at a 23.8% rate, which is the highest of his entire career. The fact of the matter is is that when he's not getting that fastball and I don't expect pitchers to keep throwing him that fastball because they'd be insane to he can't hit it he just he can't he can't see it those glasses those glasses are not doing anything and you know what I I I just, I, I don't I don't I don't have the optimism that you do on this fine Wednesday morning yeah, I, I kind of guessed that, the way you stuttered at the end there. Let's let's also remember that Kendris is one of the Blue Jays who has suffered from a weak Babbitt this season. He's he's still only batting two twenty two on balls in play after last night. So with with the loft angle coming up, with the exit velocity, you know, creeping up as well, th- those two home runs he hit last night had exit velocities of like 108 and a launch angle of 23. That's going to that's going to be a much more successful hit than, you know, again, pounding balls into the dirt and, and giving up those easy ground balls cuz Kendris Morales is never going to be that kind of ground ball hitter. He had he had some very weak contact at the start of the season. His his soft contact rate was second highest in his career at, at 25.6. But if he's starting to barrel up the ball, if you start, if he, whatever he's doing at the plate to get himself psyched up to do it, wh- whatever he's doing, he's he's doing it, and it's going to change that soft contact rate into more hard contact, more more solid contact, more more driving the ball into the gap like that. I'm I'm seeing the turnaround from Kendris Morales. It, like this, this is actually comparable to the season where he he basically sat out until May because he had that draft pick attached to him. So he, he took forever to, to sign with the Twins. So see, seeing Kendris really barrel the ball up there, I again, I know it's against a, a pitcher uh, who who is not great despite the, the metrics he's put up this year, but he, he was still pitching very well. And I'm, I'm happy to see Kendris kind of break out of it mentally and get, get those successful shots out there because that's, that's what he needs to be successful. And, and against the team, Steven, Minnesota did get into the playoffs last year. Let's not forget that they're, most of the components of that playoff team is still there. So it's not like they're beating up on the Royals or the White Sox tonight. I mean, the fact that, that, that the Twins did make the playoffs last year is irrelevant. I mean, Byron Buxton has uh, just just refuted and turtled back into his shell, and he is not himself. The, Min- the Minnesota Twins are what they are. Their record is very indicative of, uh, uh, of the team that they are. And, I mean, just watching them in that series, there is not one thing that that team does well. Not fielding, not hitting. Not, well, maybe hitting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not pitching. Um, but you know what? Since it is your show, I will allow you to have the last point here on Kendris Morales. And I will not argue very much further because in my mind, Kendris Morales is very much a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. 
Well, I appreciate that, although you're conceding the last point to me seems to tell me that you do not have much more to say on the mat on the matter. Again, so many Blue Jays fans have argued about track record, especially with guys like Devin Travis, um, who, you know, a, a bunch of people were still like, why did they send Devin Travis down? Because he was batting 150 and because he had options. So, so if you're taking that track record argument for Devin Travis and be like, oh, it's still early, he's, st- he's still going to come around, you have to extend the same courtesy to Kendris Morales because Morales has a more proven track record and is not expected to do much. DHs have a much better shelf life than, let's say, 38-year-old right fielders who all of a sudden hit 220 and only hit 20 home runs and have to get minor league deals. Ouch. <laughs> um. But yeah, they have they have more established track records of having production later. I mean, every, everyone remembers David Ortiz. Everyone remembers Edgar Martinez. Um, Nelson Cruz is still hitting as a designated hitter at like 39 for Seattle. The track record with DHs is that they will eventually come around once they find that power swing. And now that Kendris has found his power swing again, I'm expecting a lot more production from him. And it's going to be very necessary for a Blue Jays team that's still going to be looking for power as they work to reintegrate pieces back into the lineup. And honestly, having to switch hitting Morales in there, even if he's batting seventh behind guys like Donaldson and and Pilar and Solarte, that makes the lineup much more dangerous than if you if you do not have that threat in the bottom of the lineup. Because that's been a big problem for the Blue Jays. The bottom of the lineup has not been producing outside of a streak where Luke Maley was hitting like Johnny Bench. So... Get, keeping that power threat in the lineup keeps the Blue Jays' offense potent. And yes, he will sit for times to allow a Josh Donaldson to DH, to allow a Troy Tulowitzki to DH. But you know what? Tulowitzki's got to prove himself too. So I am much more happy having Kendris Morales in the lineup as that power threat as opposed to casually tossing him aside. And I, I thank enough. you. I thank you for agreeing with me with your silence. <laughs> thank you. I think my I, I think I think my indicative uh, I, I, I think my silence is more indicative of me just just not wanting to hear you talk anymore. Oh, well, then you're in luck because we will be right back with our second pint counterpoint after this. All right. That's enough of a break from me talking. Um. <laughs> Now, now, Stephen, because you are the guest, because you are coming onto my home turf, I'm going to let you pick your position on on our second and final topic on this debut edition of Pine Counterpoint. Um, today's starter for the Blue Jays is former birthday boy Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman turned 27 yesterday, and I'm sure if he was blowing out the candles on his birthday cake he would wish for some more soft contact since it seems to have disappeared from his repertoire, leading to an 888 ERA, which your ERA should never sound musical or lyrical when being said out loud. Um, Owen, 3 he's given, he's given up a boatload of hits and a boatload of walks. Steven, I'm, I'm going to let you pick your position on Marcus Stroman, what do you think is going to happen starting t- today, since this is an afternoon game in Minnesota, what do you think is going to happen with Marcus Stroman for the rest of the season? 
Look, I mean, everybody freaking out about Marcus Stroman just needs to just take a little chill pill. They need to pull a Ryan Mueller and just go to the Dominican Republic, have a couple of drinks, come back nice and relaxed, and just hold your hot takes, you know? Because Marcus Stroman may have an 888 ERA and, you know, a 1.8 whip or whatever, all those ridiculous numbers. But we're talking about the guy who tweeted that he would come back. We're talking about the guy that whenever faced with adversity, sure, 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 he might go on Twitter and go off the rails a little bit. But more often than not, this is a guy that comes to play every single game. And I don't even need to cite stats here to tell you about Marcus Stroman's character. Because this is a guy that gets it done when it really matters. And I mean, so far... The Blue Jays have been bailed out with their bullpen, with their offense, with their defense. You know, the starting pitching has kind of been given a little bit of time to kind of get back into gear. And you know what? When they do, then the other factions of their team can kind of take a break. And I'm confident that Marcus Stroman will ride that birthday high. I'm sure he made a wish to make Ryan Andrews stop talking about him. You know, um, he's going to ride that high and he's going to go out there against a very bad Minnesota Twins team. And I think he's going to have a strong outing. Oh, Steven, you are so wrong. How, how can you be so wrong? If if we're judging Blue Jays by character, why don't we lure Muninori Kawasaki out of retirement and have him be the backup infielder if character matters so much on his team? No, the fact of the matter is the results speak for themselves. Marcus Stroman had an absolutely abysmal April. He is walking batters at twice the rate of his career norm. He's got five walks through nine, Steven. That is Kyle Gibson bad. That is Lance Lynn bad. And yes, I am realizing now that that's probably why Minnesota's in the position why it's in right now. But he has no control of what he's doing. He he is a pitcher who thrives on being able to make the hitters do what he wants by using his control to get those pitches in a place where hitters have no choice but to pound balls in dirt. And he can't do it. I made the excuses for him too, Steven. I said, oh, it was cold in Texas. It was cold in New York. Let him get back to the Sky Dome. But he looked awful against Texas, just giving up hit after hit after hit. And these hitters keep coming in. He, he has a batting average balls in play of 354. And he's not stranding anyone. Left, the left on base percentages for him this year is 45%. 55% of runners that get on base against Marcus Stroman are scoring. That is not the key to success in this league, Stephen. Why do I think it's going to be any different against Minnesota today? Well, you know what? I think it's important to look at these starts one by one and not just spew out a bunch of numbers that don't tell the actual story. His first start against the New York Yankees wasn't actually that bad. Sure, he gave up four runs in five innings, but he put the team in a position to win that game seven to four. He also had eight strikeouts. I mean, and then when you, when you look at his starts in Texas and in Cleveland, sure, those weren't the greatest. But again, a start against the New York Yankees. He goes into the sixth inning only having given up, I think, two or three runs at that point. It's really close. And the, and the order turns over. And he's forced to back Gardner, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton for a third time in that game. I don't think that there's very many pitchers around the league that come out of that inning 
you know, having and not having some kind of meltdown because that's just what the Yankees do. And I mean, in his last start against Texas, sure, that start wasn't very good, but he is coming off of a shoulder injury and he didn't have much of a spring training. So I think if you're going to play the card of giving Kendris Morales a second chance, I think that you also need to play the very much fair card of giving Marcus Stroman a little bit of time to figure something out. Uh, all I hear is excuses, Stephen. All I, all I hear is excuses for the results on the field. When the results on the field, like you you say, he had to face Judge again. He faced him in the sixth inning. He's not getting through guys quick enough to avoid having to face him a third time through the inning, when it or third time in the game, when it would be most advantageous to face those guys a third time in the game. This is a Blue Jays rotation that has given his bullpen absolutely nothing to work with in starts outside of J-Hap and Aaron Sanchez. Those are the only two pitchers who have consistently gotten to the sixth inning for the Blue Jays. And Marcus Stroman being unable to turn these lineups over to to get guys out that third time by com- by compounding his own mistakes with these with these walks and hits that he's allowing. Like, the... the <sighs> He can't keep putting the Blue Jays in a position where they keep having to bail him out because he cannot get guys to com- to commit and hit that, again, the soft contact that has been Stroman's calling card in the majors. It's, it's at its lowest rate right now. He's only getting soft contact 17% of the time, and the hard contact has sharply risen. It's, it's almost 50%, Steven. When, when you're a defender and you have balls coming at you that hard all the time, you're not going to make all those. Like, how many times have we seen Marcus Stroman on the mound and then seen a diving in Hervis Solarte because he can't get to a ball or a diving Devin Travis because he can't get to a ball? Because Stroman is not taking enough off those pitches to get the soft contact anymore, which allows those easy ground balls and allows Stroman to coast through games into the seventh and eighth inning without having to face these guys a, a third time with, with all this pressure to get them out. Is, is fly, the fly balls are now flying out because of this hard contact. Again, the home runs, he's, he's allowed 20%, over 20% of his fly balls to leave the yard. And yeah, playing in Yankee Stadium doesn't help that rate, but you still don't give enough give up the fly balls in Yankee Stadium in the first place. Marcus Stroman, he, he keeps saying he needs to, he's going to fix what's wrong. I haven't seen anything yet. At least with Kendris Morales, I see tangible fixing of the problem. Two home runs helps fix that problem. I haven't seen anything from Marcus Stroman this year that has indicated that he has fixed this problem and, and worked on really decreasing that hard contact rate because that that is Marcus Stroman. Everyone knows it. If he if he's going to succeed, he needs soft contact. He needs to generate those those weak fly balls, those weak pop-ups, those weak ground balls. He has not done that this year. And I don't know what he does immediately to begin generating that soft contact again, but he has to do it in a hurry. Because this Blue Jays rotation cannot take a a run per inning black hole in there requiring multiple arms out of the pen to come in and bail them out and keep the Blue Jays in games. You're finished, right? Do, do you have anything to refute what I said? Well, I mean, I like, I like to be optimistic, okay? <laughs> and... That's funny. Tell me another. I, I like I like to be optimistic in situations like this. And when you look at his 888 ERA, maybe it's just a consolation to me 
saying that Marcus Stroman can't really get any worse. So <laughs> it can only get better from here. I mean, and for you to just be so harsh on a guy that's been nothing but amazing ever since being called up um, from from our minor league system. I don't know what side of the bed that you woke up on this morning. You know, I woke up this morning at like 6 o'clock and there was a bird chirping by my window. I didn't go yell at the bird, Brian. I just closed the window and I went back to bed. You know, there's some things that you just have to ignore and let play out. I mean, Marcus Stroman having an eight eight an eight eighty eight ERA. That's that's a a really bad tongue twister. Um, is know, right? is not is is not something that's going to keep up. Those numbers are not going to maintain themselves. If nothing about Marcus Stroman's track record says that that will keep up, and Marcus Stroman, I mean, I, I don't I don't have to say much more, but he is going to go out on that mound today in Minnesota, and he is going to silence the haters. And he's going to make you look like the fool that you are, Ryan. Well, I will believe it when I see it, Stephen. And um, I, I think that's actually where we're going to end this debut edition of Pint Counterpoint on Locked On Jays on the Locked On Podcast Network. Stephen, you are a worthy adversary, but I believe I have bested you. Um, but at least you can you can take solace in knowing that instead of having to be the second guest of the Sean Doyle era, you got to be the first guest of the Ryan Andrews era of Locked On Jays. So so hold that honor to your chest to to keep it warm during that long afternoon where Stroman gives up another seven hits and five runs. But uh, no, tell tell the people where they can find you should they wish to find you and take in more of your work. They can find me on Twitter at DTSB underscore 98. It stands for Downtown Stephen Brown because I have the hottest takes around. And you can also find me at jaysfromthecouch.com where I am going to be contributing much more as my uh, school finished up uh, for the summer vacation. And I actually should have a piece coming out either today or tomorrow. Hmm about the Blue Jays' lineup. Excellent. We'll be looking forward to seeing that. If you want to follow me, as Stephen mentioned earlier, in a, in a free plug that I didn't even have to do, so thank you for that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at NeoAC18. It's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. I'm usually on there giving my takes during Blue Jays games. I'm usually good for a conversation and a discussion, much like the one we had today. And Stephen, I again, I appreciate for coming on here on Locked On Jays, which you can follow at Locked On Jays on Twitter, and and providing that discussion because although we are we are adversaries, there there is a, a glimmer of mutual respect there. There really isn't. Oh, <laughs> oh, here here I am trying trying to extend the olive branch like the South Korean president, and you go and slap it away. How dare you! I'm just done with you, Ryan. That's it. I've had enough. Yeah, I think we're about done with this episode, Stephen. So, for Stephen Brown, I'm Ryan, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you for listening to Locked on Jays. Take care. <laughs>